When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Servers are a vital part of any enterprise. They're there to help the organization go about its daily business. And be it emails, storing data, or various other things, they're vital to the business. Cybercriminals also know this, which is why they will regularly target them with cyber attacks. And there are plenty of methods which they're using in order to get to them. But there's one in particular which is quite sneaky. I'm Danny Palmer. This is ZDNet Security Update. And with me to discuss how cybercriminals are going after these servers is Susanna Horomkova, malware researcher at ESET. Thanks for joining me, Susanna. So first of all, what are these attacks and how are cybercriminals going after these servers? Oh, first of all, hi, Danny. Thank you for having me. Uh, well, this attack vector, uh, IIS malware, it's um, not really new. It's something that's been around for quite a while, but on the other hand, it hasn't get quite a lot of attention. So this IIS software that's for internet information services, it's a Microsoft web server software. So basically we are looking at some server side malware, which is implemented as some extensions for this software. So we are looking at these malicious modules, which the attackers planned on these Microsoft web server software or on these Microsoft web servers. And then um, by being a part of the server, they listen to the communication flowing through the server. They can eavesdrop on the web communication between the server and the customers. And also they can change how the server will respond to that communication. So um, with these two powers, there are a lot of things that the malware can do. So basically our research was to look into all kinds of malware which is implemented in this way. So we didn't focus on one malware family or on one threat actor, but we were focusing on this technical aspect of malware being implemented as native IS extension. And then we tried to find out what all the malware can do and in what kind of attacks this type of malware is used. So when it came to uh, discovering and investigating these attacks, uh, what was it that led you uh, down uh, this path? Also, first we found one uh, malware which was implemented in this way. And we found out that there are not a lot of resources available for reverse engineers, for analysts, uh, as a reference to how to analyze this type of malware and what kind of techniques it uses. So from there, we uh, decided that we will build such a guide. So we will try to put together a comprehensive guide on how you can detect and analyze these threats and how you can protect. So from there, we try to get as many of these samples that we could lay our hands on. So we were looking in our telemetry and also in public services such as virus total. And it was very diverse. So for example, one of the attacks was discovered by my colleagues who were at that time doing research into the proxy logon vulnerability chain, which gained quite a lot of attention this year. So in that case, it was a vulnerability that a lot of threat actors were using to 
exploit vulnerable exchange email servers. And this also affects IIS because on a lot of these exchange servers, um, they have this service Outlook on the web enabled, and this one is running on IIS. So by using IIS backdoor or native IIS extensions, which is malicious, threat actors can get access to these emails and they can perform covered espionage. So for example, one of these attacks was a part of this research that my colleagues were doing. And we, uh, we found out that a lot of threat actors were using the same vulnerability to spread all kinds of IIS malware to vulnerable exchange servers. So that's one way how we found the attacks. But then, as I said, others we were actively looking for this type of malware, and then we were looking into what they can do and how to protect against this. So when it comes to how malware is distributed uh, in this way, uh, you mentioned uh, these Microsoft Exchange server vulnerabilities there. Uh, that is, the, is that the only way this is distributed or are there other ways which attackers can use to uh, get this on, onto their targets? Because uh, as we know, if there's, vulnerabilities out there to be exploited, uh, unfortunately, attackers will try to do that in order to uh, deliver things like malware uh, on, onto the, the systems of uh, organizations and, and, and other victims. Yes, exactly. This is very unfortunate because with a lot of these vulnerabilities and you know, servers not being always up to date from the very minute, first minute possible, this creates this uh, opportunity for the attackers to massively scan internet for vulnerable servers and massively distribute this type of malware. So that's exactly one scenario that we have seen. Uh, there were also other cases of possible server exploitation, not related to proxy logon. And we think that in general, this is the main way how IS malware is introduced to the servers. But of course, it's not the only scenario. We have only we have also seen a case of a trojanized IS module. So you can Imagine that there are these IS extensions that's a legitimate feature, right? So this software is extensible and it, it was created because developers uh, wanted to extend the functionality of this IS software, which is very legitimate feature. But now the attackers can take these legitimate IS extensions and you know bundle some malware with those extensions and then uh, try to distribute it in some rogue website. So, of course, another way how you could have the IS malware introduced is that if you're IS administrator and you're not careful enough, you can end up installing this extension by yourself. Um, and also there can be other scenarios, but I would say that server exploitation is probably the most prevailing one uh, for the reasons that we already discussed. So once uh, the, the malware has been put on the, the servers in this way, what is it being used for? Because as you detail, there are a number of different things which attackers are uh, looking to do once they're on these networks. Yeah, so first of all, once it gets access to the server and it's configured as this native extension, um, what happens is that the malware takes advantage of the design of the server. So once it's configured as this IIS extension, it gets loaded automatically by IIS worker process, which always loads all the configured extensions. And it's uh, the purpose of this IIS worker process is to handle inbound HTTP requests. So by configuring your malware's native IIS extension, you get this persistence and execution mechanism. So the attackers don't need to do anything else, just 
install it as this IIS extension. And then while being a part of this IIS worker process, they can see all the communication and affect it. So that I already mentioned, but it's important to repeat this because by using these two powers, there are a lot of different ways that the malware can operate. So for example, some malware uses this intercept power, uh, that's IIS info stealers, and uh, they are intercepting all network communication flowing through the server. And usually they're doing this to target payment information, so some credit card information or authentication information between some websites which are hosted on these affected servers and then their legitimate visitors. So imagine you are uh, shopping on some e-commerce website and you are, well, you input your credit card information and that information is sent to the server and then processed on the server. Well, the malware is a part of the server, so it will have access to this information and we have seen several families like this, malware families, which were specifically targeting this payment information and uh, scrapping information from payment URIs. So of course, in that case, even HTTPS is used, that doesn't help you in any way because the malware is residing on the server. So that's where the data is processed in an encrypted state, right? So that's one category of malware, which just listens to communication, doesn't change anything. But then we have other examples. For example, malware, which uses this server as a central point to distribute other malware families or adware or what have you. So in this case, the malware can change the HTTP responses, which are served from the server to serve some malicious campaign. And this can be some mass spreading malware, but also it could be targeted campaigns because on the server you have all the options to parse the request and maybe do some filtering or categorize which kind of, so which kind of uh, users will get served maybe the legitimate content. And then for other users, you can serve this uh, change content. So it's a very powerful way to distribute malware if you are operating on the server level. And also it's a very powerful way to hide the location of your real CNC server. For example, a lot of these malware families were acting as a proxy. So they were actually a part of a larger infrastructure where you would have some real operating CNC server and then victims of this CNC server. And these compromised servers would act as intermediaries between. So for defenders that makes the job much more difficult because they don't see the real location of the CNC server. And of course, it gets more complicated. And for these IIS servers, which are compromised, yes, for their visitors, there is no harm done, but they are misused for cyber crime. So it's really a lot of things that the attackers can accomplish by operating on these IIS servers and a lot of different categories of malware that we have seen. These were just three examples. What does the way in which attackers are using you know, servers for uh, campaigns like this tell us about how they're evolving and uh, how sophisticated they're, they're becoming? Because it, it sounds a little bit more complex to lay out than just you know, infecting a individual computer with a uh, with malware. but when they are, if they can infect you know, or compromise a whole server like this, it obviously reaps be, uh, bigger rewards for them in the, in the long term. Exactly. And interestingly, this may not even be more difficult for them 
we already mentioned that there is a lot of opportunities for this mass exploitation and you know a lot of servers or server administrators still don't use any security software so in one way for the attackers it's even more easy or easier to compromise these servers and they have maybe a large uh, much bigger reach because these servers are hosting different websites or services and these services have a lot of users they're interconnected in the organization so that's one way to look at it that maybe it's even easier for the attackers um, another way to look at it is that they are really affecting a broad range of you know, devices, operating systems. There is no device that is safe and we should really, when we're thinking about security, it's not really just about securing our desktops or our endpoints, but we should really think about our servers. So for example, if you're an organization and you have an email server, then this email server is very important because all the messages that are flowing through your organization are processed on this server. So that's very valuable data. And this is exactly one of the targets that could be interesting for the attackers that use IIS malware. But maybe in not all of these organizations, this is one uh, server that you would think about protecting. So I think for us, this malware or this case is just a reminder that security is really important, not just to Force uh, to concentrate all the resources in one place, but to make sure that you have equal, equally protected all the devices in your organization, or even if your organization has several branches, then of course all the branches need protection. So, well, again, this is a reminder for us, but also I think this is not really a new threat. So the first case of this IS malware was actually in 2013. But this is not something that gets a lot of attention. So I think it's really important to talk about this because a lot of these malware families that we analyzed were not even that sophisticated. So with uh, classic generic Windows malware or with APTs, the attackers usually use a lot of techniques to avoid detection and you know to obfuscate and they are trying to make our life easier but a lot of these IIS families were not even that sophisticated. And I think that tells you that they know that they are not being that watched. So these IIS servers are not under the scrutiny when compared to other operating systems. So this is again a proof that we should be looking more into server security and especially um, the servers which are handling some data which are valuable for the organization. So what should uh, organizations be doing to ensure that their servers are secure from threats like this and others? Because it, it seems that sometimes, yeah, server, as, as you say, servers are sometimes the forgotten element when it comes to cybersecurity, even though they are one of the, you know, the key areas uh, uh, that organizations need to, that, that, that organizations rely on in order to do, do what they do every day. Right, so there's no silver bullet, but there are some principles that are always worth looking into. So first of all, patching everything. So making sure your OS and applications are up to date. It's very important because there have been cases, even this year, even with this malware, where there's a new vulnerability that gets patched, but a lot of servers are still not updated and that's how they get compromised. So definitely uh, this 
management is very important and also the organizations should carefully consider which services really need to be considered to be, uh, sorry, exposed to the internet. Uh, because by reducing that, you can reduce the attack surface. You want to prevent your servers from being exploited. And then once, uh, if that fails for some reason, there is always need to have other barriers. So for example, uh, how do you handle your administration? Do you have a dedicated administrative account with a strong password and maybe 2FA? Or do you use some security software? Do you use a web application firewall? Um, and if not, then at least if you're installing something on that server, then at least make sure that it's from a reputable source because by installing something as a server extension, you are giving that piece of code a lot of power. So it can see your communications, it can see your data. So that should be really carefully considered. So that is for IIS administrators, but that's not all the people who are affected here. So imagine you are a web developer and you are running a small e-commerce website. Well, then of course, not every time you have control over the DIS server where your service is hosted, right? So in that case, you cannot really apply these measures. But in that case, it's important to use safe web development practices to at least reduce the possible impact on your customers. Uh, one tip uh, which could be useful is, for example, when you're handling payment information or when you're doing authentication, do you really need to send all that information to the server to be handled there? Or are there other, other ways that you can handle, for example, for authentication, there are a lot of protocols where you don't really have to send the password to the server, not even in the hashed form. Or for payment information, you can always use some third-party payment getaways that will handle that, that payment information for you. So you don't have to do that on the server. So that's some ideas to think about. And then if you're a customer or um, internet user and you're browsing the website, that's really difficult. So you don't really know if that server is compromised that you're interacting with, but some basic caution can always help. So when you are purchasing something of the internet and you don't know the reputation of the website, then maybe be cautious where you put your credit card information. I'm not saying anything new in this regard, but I think it's important to think about this because a lot of websites want the credit card information directly. And you don't really know the security healthiness of that server where this is going to be processed. So it's always something to remember and always good to note that there are these threats which are mass spreading and the attackers are really using it to steal that information. So maybe you want to protect your data in any way you can. A lot to think about there and some good advice on how to stay safer from these types of threats. Uh, thanks for joining me, Susanna, on ZDNet Security Update. And for more information on how to keep your network safe from, from cyber attacks, there's plenty of articles and features on ZDNet.com. Of course, you can subscribe to the ZDNet YouTube channel for more videos on cybersecurity and other subjects. Thanks for watching.